Blog Talk Radio. Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. And my name is Kim Lakin, and I'm your host this evening. And my beautiful co-host is Victoria. So she is on the back line right now waiting. If you want to call in and join us um, on the panel, we'd love to have you. And that guest call in is 646-595-2118. And um, Victoria will meet you on the back line and if you have any questions or would like to participate in what we're going to talk about tonight. So um, I'm excited to introduce our, our special guest who um, has been on many times. But um, first, we have a single purpose here at NASCA, and that is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so with two goals. One, by educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse and presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone. And two, by offering hope and healing through numerous paths and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And again, you can find some of that information on nasca.org. That is at um, N, as in Nancy, A-A-S-C-A.org. And then you can search for whatever scan number you want to look up. We are on scan number 3197 this evening, and um, we have, I believe we have, um, the Reverend Hank McGrath is going to come on from New York, and he is a child abuse survivor and NASCA volunteer. Hank began his life in a poor Irish family with four siblings in New York, and both parents were alcoholics. At 11, he was hustling to survive in Pittsburgh with bookies, pimps, and prostitutes. 
It was dangerous for a child alone. Eventually, he served time in the juvenile detention center as a young adult in prison for crimes that he committed. After decades of hard living and a few near-death situations, he began facing his childhood trauma and by the 90s was happily married. When his beloved wife died of cancer in 2001, Hank promised her that he would fight for others on the issue of child abuse. Since then, he's worked missing and exploited children. He's a court advocate for youth and war. And today, Hank is a minister and is very active in his community. And what we usually do on these nights is we um, feature a survivor professional, which is Hank, <laughs> Reverend Hank. And, um, and then he just kind of co-hosts and he, you know, kind of, um, fields any questions that might be brought in by you all, the listener. So we would love to have you join our panel. It was just Victoria and I right now on here, and if not, we can talk for a while too. We can chat, chat but mm -hmm. uh, the guest call in number again is 646-595-2118 if you want to be a part of it, our, our show this evening, and it's again, again, 3197. So hi, Ms. Victoria. I guess we could chat for a few minutes. Sure, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah, and I do you want to mention because I I didn't I wrote it down and then I didn't even mention it the, um, yeah. the Zoom meetings that that you do. You want to mention? Yeah. Those? Sure. We have um, survivor um, peer survivor groups for um, adult survivors of child abuse. And we have a Zoom meeting. It used to be at Bill's house, and then the pandemic came. So now we're doing uh, Zoom meetings that have uh, drawn worldwide um, audience. And so um, I'd like to invite people to come on. And I don't know what your times are, time zones, but I can tell you what the ones are for the central time. I'm in Minnesota. I'm the Minnesota ambassador. And the time zones are... Um, um, went, um, Thursdays and Sundays at 1 o'clock Central and 4 o'clock on Tuesdays, which we just switched to 4 o'clock because um, some people are having, you know, trouble getting on depending on the, the time zones or, you know, for different parts of the world. So I'd like to invite, you know, the survivors to come on and uh, it's not, it kind of just goes where you know people talk about what they want you don't have to put you know your name up there in a zoom meeting you can put whatever name you want and you don't have to put your video thing up you know you could just put a picture on if you'd like and uh it's confidential and uh it it's uh you know now does based on the 12 traditions um that's the foundation of NASCA. so that's what it's based on not necessarily the 12 steps with the 12 traditions and uh, kind of just go back and forth. It's, uh, we give feedback to each other and, you know, suggestions. Um, and that it's really helped me a lot. Um, you know, a lot of times some of us have professionals. And for me, it's been more helpful to hear from other survivors the kind of things they've tried and used rather than somebody that's read it out of a book, you know. <laughs> Or, or can't yeah. reveal that they're, you know, as a professional. And that's why I think it's great to have professionals on here that 
that are, you know, that can say I'm a survivor and uh, now I'm helping other people. I think that's just wonderful, you know. And so you just talk about whatever the caller or the participant on there wants to talk about. You know, like, yeah, like their childhood and uh, a lot of times their childhood and then how it affects them, you know, today in their in their everyday life because a lot of us have you know traumas for instance like trust issues you know and uh because you know we people we should have been able to trust and should have protected us and all that didn't so that develops into not being able to trust people things like that you know um afraid of being out and meeting people um there's a lot of different issues um trying to for me, it was trying to stand up for myself when uh, um, that, you know, I never could do that as a kid. I was always told, you know, um, you're stupid or don't feel like that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, that's stupid. Uh, don't, don't act like you yeah. yeah, or it's not that important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like I was telling you earlier, so I have, um, I had a service animal. I was living in an assisted living facility. And it was real hard for me um, to continue to um, advocate and stand up for myself because nobody really understood the issue that you can have a service animal if you have PTSD, according to Americans with Disability Act. And I even I even copied all the information and kept saying, I got the papers upstairs. You know, I had highlighted them and underlined them and everything else. I don't want to see your goddamn papers, you know. And... Uh, People always try to explain it to my workers and my family, and nobody nobody really comprehended it. And and so I had to keep fighting, and, you know, sometimes you just feel like banging your head up against the wall. <laughs> I don't know if you felt that way, but sometimes oh, it's yeah. difficult to <laughs> keep fighting for, well, you know, I think just, just that's that are trying to keep bringing up the issue of child abuse. Um you know, and everybody go, oh, I keep talking about that. And I, sometimes I'm banging up my head against the wall around that, too. Yeah, I mean, I have people in my family say things like, why do you do so much around this? This is probably why you have depression. And I said, no. <laughs> when I do this work, it is so much more rewarding than it is depressing. Right. What's depressing is the rest of the world. <laughs> happening on in the rest of my life in the world you know it's not necessary or even if it has something to do like you know um i i mentioned and i don't know if you heard this or not because we haven't been on together for a while but no um yeah my daughters yeah my daughters have have both decided to um listen to my story one listened to my story and one got the book that my story is in Mm -hmm. and um Mm -hmm. and read it but then didn't really give me a chance to explain. They just, like, jumped to conclusions. And it felt very much like blaming the victim type thing. Yeah. And I remember kind of going back, basically, I mean, I remember going, oh, my gosh, this is just like anything else, anybody that I spoke when I was a child. It was just, you know, what did I do? Or it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it, we just, mm-hmm. so. so anyway, yeah, that's, that's been mm-hmm. hard on me. Just, mm-hmm. just yeah. figure out 
navigate yeah, and a lot of people say why do you keep bring that up, drudging that up you know no wonder you know you have such a hard time in that and i said you know i'm not drudging it up i'm trying to tell my story so that you know other survivors know that they're not alone because i felt that way for so many years and i was going to do a um youtube video this woman contacted me about um being used in uh, systems of prostitution, which in the case was uh, prostitution and uh, pornography. And, uh, you know, I was three days before I was thought, no, I'm not going to do it because my kids don't know that part of my story. <laughs> you know, they know about being battered and they know about incest mm-hmm. and they know about a whole bunch of other stuff. They don't know that. So um, I called my daughter up said, you know, um, she said, oh, you're doing that uh, um, YouTube video? And I said, well, you know, I'm I'm thinking I'm not sure if I'm good or not. Well, why not, Mom? And I said, well, because you're a part of my story that I want to make sure that you and Rick know that I haven't really told you about. And she said, what's that, Mom? And I said, well, I was used in pornography and prostitution. And she just goes, oh, you know, one quite sure what happened. And then in, after I think she, you know, initially, you know, processed her brain, she's like, Mom, you should do it, you know. That's what happened in her life, you know. I'm most positive about it. And so then I called my son up and said, oh, and then I followed up with, well, it's going to be on YouTube and, you know, it'll be on there prayer or whatever, and I go, but you probably won't want to listen to it. <laughs> I said, but I just want to let you know because I'll be posting it on Facebook, you know. My daughter has a hard time knowing that I was, you know. She has, yeah. she has a real difficult time, and so does my son. Because I, I self-published yeah. a book with just some of my writings in it, and I uh, gave it to them, and I don't, I don't think they ever read it, you know. My brother read it and, and had to stop because he said, it's just too hard for me to read, he says, because um, I can't believe that my sister was hurt like this, you know. And and that's, that's where they're coming from. They're not coming from, like, you know, I don't believe you or, you know, why would you write this? Why would you do this? Why would you, you know. But, but my daughter really does believe that, you know, I should stop focusing on it, you know. And, and her, I, her, you know, with her curious. Mom, just get a job, just get an eight to five job. And, um, right. you know, then things would be better. You know, and I think part of her just wants to wave this magic wand and fix mom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get that. Too. I think that's all a lot of people. Go get a full time job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I'm doing yeah. what I want to do as far as the job goes. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know about you. I, I mean, I guess I, I could probably guess, but um, my health is a lot into it as well. I mean, it, it's hard to be, you know, relied on in that way every single uh-huh. day for eight, nine, ten hours a day. That's a lot on my body for, yeah. you know, because of everything that it's already gone through. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the other thing why I didn't get a job is because I was always, because I was in uh, the psychiatric ward, and I was always afraid I'd get a job, and then all of a sudden I'd go downhill again, you know, my mental health, you know. And and I'm an artist and a, and a writer and things like that. I tell you what, I was talking to my psychiatrist the other day, and I said, yeah, I was up till 5 o'clock 
you know, in the morning the other day, and she's like, oh, no, you know, I think your meds are working this and that. And I said, you know, when the universe invented time, you know, it didn't have a clock. You know, <laughs> when it, you know <laughs> yeah. uh, people invented a clock and, and said, you know, from this time and this time, you, you know, you stay awake and this time to this time you sleep. You know, yeah. I said, if I'm motivated to do an art project or I'm working on cleaning the house or whatever I'm doing, and I want to stay up till five and, and go to sleep and sleep till one or whatever I do, you know. Um, I said I yeah. run on my body clock, not on, you know, not, oh, I look at the clock. Oh, bedtime. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but like I right. said, my daughter I and do. a lot of other people would like to just wave a magic wand and fix you. And that would be great if they could. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Yeah. Can, can you please do that? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> people, there's no magic pill. <laughs> this takes a lot of yeah. work and a lot of dedication to ourselves. And time and understanding that, you know, what we yeah. can do. I think that it's taken me 50 years to get to this point where I'm like, no, I'm going to do what I know I can do so that I don't overdo it myself and I don't then get really yeah. sick. And understanding like, ourselves, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> and again, we don't you know, we don't have a lot of people in our lives. I think that you're lucky because your kids kind of walked a lot with you through yeah. it, and it all worked out really good. You know, they kind of knew mm-hmm. everything that you've been already going through, mm-hmm. which is yeah, nice. it took a long time to that degree. relationship back. You know, because they were in permanent foster care, and I didn't have a whole lot of contact. And I ended up going to Texas with my mother, who I wasn't raised by, and she totally monopolized all my time, so I lost track of my kids again. And and so I'm just starting now to get, you know, back into a relationship, a healthy relationship with my kids, you know, because it's something any relationship you got to work on. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's probably another. I had to take care of myself and love myself and say, I deserve to be happy and have a happy, joyous, free life, you know. I mean, I never believed that before. I, you know, yeah. No, it was always about everybody else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Whoever needs yeah. it. I mean, it doesn't even have to be the family. Yeah. I know that, you know, I was mm-hmm. at, at my church for how many hours a day yeah. at one point? <laughs> yeah, That'd be ridiculous. Like yeah, hours a day. But um, mm-hmm. my girlfriend described it perfectly. She said, "Everybody gets a cup of sugar a day, and you can take a teaspoon out at a time. But once you run out of the cup of sugar, that's the end. You go only borrow from tomorrow." Because <laughs> 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 we're looking at it, you only have so much energy, you know. Yeah. To, do, to do, and a lot of times I would just push myself so bad, and that's why I think I end up, you know, kept ending up in the hospital and the psych ward because I was trying to do too much and I was not taking care of myself at all. You know, I was always in last place or no place. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, do you think, I mean, do you feel that's what you were taught? That's what you were taught. Oh, growing up. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. 
I mean, my grandparents got me when I was a year old. And at one point, I think it was seven, my grandmother said to me, you know, your mom wanted to adopt you out to anybody in Louisiana who wanted you. So we had to take you. And we had to move out of a really nice house and then to this old shack. And we could barely pay for the food and the, you know, the lights and this and that. And they were screaming at us to shut off the lights or whatever. And we had... Uh, to haul in our water and ha- haul out the sewer, and they refused to get, like, city water. And we could only, like, put a little bit of water on our toothbrush and a toothpaste and, you know, brush our teeth and a little bit of water to rinse it out. We only got a bath, like, once a month because otherwise we'd be wasting water. You know, so I almost felt like, you know, I didn't even deserve to breathe the air, tell you the truth, or eat or, you know, anything. But I felt everybody else did. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, they all deserved it. Yeah. Somehow they earned yeah. it more than you did. <laughs> yeah. Something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though you're going to my whole life until I got in, got in therapy, I believed that God put me on this earth to sexually satisfy men. That was my purpose. You know, that's yeah. what I believed. And I, because of my experience. That's interesting you say that. Because I did, too. Mm-hmm. I thought that for a while, too. It, before mm-hmm. I met my husband, and then I went completely the opposite way yeah. with him. But, yeah, but yeah, I used to think that, too. I was like, isn't this just what they do? And mm-hmm. then when I met a guy that didn't want sex constantly, I was like, what is mm-hmm. happening? <laughs> what is this yeah. happening? And, and value <laughs> for other things. Yeah, and value for other, you know, value you. <laughs> Right. Well, and that's a big part of our, I think, our downfall of our marriage, too, is just him not really, I mean, I guess you could say, like, asexual or something. People have said that before. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. He's Mm -hmm. just not that interested, you know, and and I I used to always talk to friends, you know, especially when I was younger and stuff. Gosh, Mm -hmm. you won't leave me alone. My husband won't leave me alone. And I'd be like, yeah, really? Is that what it's supposed to be? Yeah. I got like the yeah. whole opposite side of it after mm-hmm. I thought that initially, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and then my grandmother yeah. told me if if you're not a virgin, no no good man will want you. Well, when I was raped at fifteen, that threw that off, you know. Yeah. So I might as well, you know, and I always felt like, you know, if I was dating a really nice guy that he was eventually going to find out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I felt, you know, all hiding, all that secret. Well, you spend your whole life, you're not good enough. And then I was like three years old and remember my grandparents also went in bars because they drank all weekend long. And uh, we'd go in bars and these guys would grab me and put me in their lap. And start fondling me, you know, putting my their hands up my dress and everything, and kissing on me. And my grandparents sat right there, and I can remember coming over to my grandma after and saying, "I don't know if men do that. You know, I wish you wouldn't do that." And her response was, "Well, they think you're cute." Yeah. So you know, what right? I said, "Let's go back to no protection from you know." Predators. Yeah. Oh. And I can't even imagine if somebody 
to that to my daughter or my son, you know. I mean, right. Yeah, it just. Right. You know, and well, we had, um, as Gail said, um, mm-hmm. he, he said something about one of his statements was you can't necessarily blame the parents who abuse mm-hmm. because they have been mm-hmm. abused too. And I, and I said, I don't know if I just, I, but I agree with that because I think it takes, it, it takes somebody in that family within those generational abuse years mm-hmm. that says, no, this isn't going to happen and stops it. And, you know, like you or myself, we didn't know how to stop it. We just knew we had yeah. to stop this crap that was going on. Yeah. And then we weren't going to let our kids be affected by it. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I, I don't agree that you can't. And, and I, I, I understand what he was saying, where he was coming from, yeah. that they were abused as well, but, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily give them a pass, you know, to Mm-mm. do it because then it would mm-hmm. never stop. I mean, it would continue on forever. Yeah. So somebody has right. to stop right. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, um, I found out um, later on, I mean, years later, so um, I was I was speaking um, – when I was speaking out about um, being abused, um, battered, and sexually abused, because I had stopped started talking about my child abuse, um, I was going out to like tape after the nights and reading poetry and um, you know um, working with some organizations and stuff. And you know my my grandmother said, "Why are you talking about all that dirty stuff?" I mean literally, dirty stuff. And I said. I said, I thought I was alone and that I was the only one that was, you know, affected this way. And it's important for me to speak out, you know. And anyway, so it went on a little while. And then one day she told me that she was out where she grew up and a guy came and attacked her when she was young. It sexually abused her and she grabbed a rock and hit him over the head. And she said, I've never told nobody that. Because I'm not even sure if I killed him. I was looking in the paper to see if he was dead or not. And she was scared to tell anybody because she thought she might have murdered somebody, you know. And, yeah. and she didn't want to be, you know, assaulted, obviously. She might never have told anybody that if I hadn't, you know, been out there speaking. And then I found out later on from my mom that she had told my mom when, um, when um, she was drunk, you know, but that both that all three of her brothers had actually abused her, and her mom died when she was like four, seven, something really young, you know. And it was just her dad, and uh, yeah. So um, you know, you just don't know what people's history is, and she of course never dealt with it ever. You know, so people go, oh, I'm forty or fifty, and just starting to deal with it now. You know, I can't wait. Can't believe I waited so long or whatever. I just started getting my memories. There were so many yeah. men and women that went to their graves and never told a soul or never even were able to recall those memories because they just kept pushing themselves to go forward and not, not think about it, you know. So no matter what age you're at, when, you know, you start getting help in whatever way that you do, 
um, it's pretty much a miracle. <laughs> You know, um, I happened to be searching the internet and found NASCA and found Bill and just called him up <laughs> and started talking to him, you know, because I still had all that shame. Because yeah. I didn't skip till I was 21 and had a psychiatrist that said, oh, well, you must have enjoyed it or you wouldn't have stayed so long and uh, you wouldn't have kept going back. Well, I didn't keep going back. He kept finding me. And I was disassociating. I had an MPD, which I didn't know at the time. And um, so when he'd come back, I was afraid of him, but I didn't know why, and I can put together why. It was just like, what the hell's wrong with me? <laughs> and that would start happening again, because he didn't raise me. And so I didn't stick to all his 21 with my six-month-old daughter, which is not his. So one of the things my daughter said is, you know, I don't mind if you go on and tell your story or anything, but if your dad is possibly my father, Please don't say that. And she had misinterpreted because she heard me talk to some people, you know, and said that, you know, I escaped from him when I was 21 and with my six-month-old daughter. And so she thought that I, she might be his daughter. And I said there was no way that he could be. Wasn't with him around that time. I was just my first husband. And also he had a vasectomy, you know, when I was a teenager. And, uh, but, but she had, you know, how you kind of hear a half of a conversation. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. No. <laughs> but, but I ended up hospitalized right after that. And, uh, um, they do- diagnosed me with depression and the uh, psychiatrist said, you've been depressed all your life. And, uh, anyway, put me on antidepressants and it was like a whole new world, you know, like taking the blinders <laughs> off and, you know. It was like watching a black and white TV and then all of a sudden getting a color TV. That's exactly what I don't know yeah. how else to describe it. It's a pretty good description. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it and, is. and just to get help from the psychiatrist and the therapist that I saw, you know. Um, yeah, it was, it was uh, hard to do, but I was desperate, you know. I was desperate. <laughs> yeah. You know, and some of us need to get to that desperate point, point, you know, um, before we seek out help, unfortunately, you know. <laughs> so I, I just commend yeah. everybody, that, especially people that come on, because, like, you know, Bill asked me to be a guest after I talked to him for a while and stuff and was involved, you know, with listening to the Black Talk radio show and coming on and being a panelist and everything. And uh, anyway, he invited me to come on, and I was like, Oh, no way. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, and, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, the first time I ever did the show, compared to talking now, you wouldn't even know it was me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I me cried through the whole thing, and I don't even know if I made sense. You know, that's how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it really made a difference, you know? Uh, it made you feel comfortable. And that you yeah. know that you can... Yeah. And talk about it. And, and you know, I thought people, people would, I thought people would ask questions that would just put me on the spot. No, did and just got a whole bunch of support. And so, if anybody that's survivor that's listening to this, um, and you'd like to be um, a guest speaker, and uh, as far as we're concerned, anybody that's a survivor is a uh, professional <laughs> survivor. <laughs> you know, um, 
yeah. we know more about <laughs> about child abuse than uh, you know we're experts <laughs> just because we survived like you know and so it's kind of like when I speak for AA you know I talk about my experience strength and hope and uh, I didn't have as much hope as I have today but uh, you know I uh, I got a lot of hope from from listening to the NASCA show and realizing that you know other people had a lot of the same similar experiences and that, you know, we could have a conversation. Um, so if anybody wants to call in, you know, we have these conversations five minutes a week. <laughs> and yeah. if we have a guest, you can, you know, support the guest for sure. Yeah. For sharing that. So what kind of things have you done? I like I learned that do like journaling and um, art, kind of art therapy, but more just doing like arts and crafts, you know, to keep my mind occupied yeah. and music. Yeah. What kind of things do you do with yeah. fun? I do too. I um, do was just telling my therapist last week and this week that I'm going to try and find a, like a dance class somewhere. Oh, yeah. I was like, it just sounds like fun. I can get some exercise. I mean, that's what I mm-hmm. do for exercise around my house anyway, as I, I usually just dance and yep. do exercise. But, um, yeah. But, you know, I think, I think I've never done any kind of a dance class. Well, oh, then I think mm-hmm. I did ballet when I was little. But, <laughs> you know, but I think, yeah. um, and who somebody who's asked me what I want to do. I don't know. I guess I, I, I can't imagine ever using certain like ballroom dance type things, yeah. you know, like Casa Doble or something like that. I can't imagine ever using yeah. them, but I guess it would be kind of fun to kind of learn all of those mm-hmm. different ballroom dances mm-hmm. you know, as well as. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, then variety I, I, with you. Yeah. I took uh, ballet, tap, jazz, acrobats, and Afro Cuban and baton. <laughs> And uh, believe it or not, yeah. And uh, my dream was to be a prima ballerina, but I had bad feet, so that went bad. But I even twirled a fire baton and things like that. Um, oh, that's something my my grandmother was going to pay for, you know. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, yeah, it, it was really something that, you know, I was learning how to do something that kept my mind off the craziness, you know, because I was yeah. going at school and dysfunctional crap at home and neighborhood and all that, you know. Um, it was something that I got to be good at. It felt good to learn to know I learned something because I was very bad in school. <laughs> Couldn't concentrate. But damn, I could. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I, I dance around my house. I turn on, you know, songs I like and stuff and for exercise and just to feel good, you know. Yeah. Cheers, me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it does, yeah. I know. Yeah. Me too. I like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I used to do. And I actually wrote I a used list to of things that. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I said I wrote a whole list of things. I kept, kept thinking about things like what would I do when I'm depressed? or I'm feeling bad about myself or, you know, I feel like hurting myself, whatever. And I just started this list, you know, like dancing, go for a walk, turn on my favorite music, you know, color, whatever. And I just kept adding this list and I had it on my wall. 
And because I never thought of that kind of stuff before, you know, I do what makes me happy. Yeah. What? <laughs> right. Yeah. We weren't we weren't raised to think that way. <laughs> yeah. See what makes us happy. Yeah, that's so good. And even like vision boards and stuff. I mean, I like to do that. I've got one at my aunt. Oh, I'm not out there. Have vision boards, have mm-hmm. different things on your mirror that you know get you up and going for the day. Uh-huh. Good saying, you know, stuff like that. Upbeat up stuff. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That I'm trying to do too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, my kids were little, I got these little circles and they had all these positive affirmations and I stuck them all over my house. Like, you are oh, yeah. a valuable person and, you know, just all kinds of stuff like that. And I think I got more out of it. Like, <laughs> but, yeah, but it also probably. gave me ideas to tell my kids, you know, to pass it on to my kids. Yeah. Yeah, I used to do um, – there was one time I did get, like, a little tiny deck of cards, you know, that had, like, inspirational things. And, but, you know, I would do yeah. the whole – put a note in the lunchbox. Thing and mm-hmm. so there was yeah. different things that I do. I had a joke book one time that I was able to pull out of. <laughs> Trying yeah. to find different things to say to them. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was fun. Well, I didn't have TV for the first three years of my daughter's life, and I tell you, people acted like I was just neglecting my child. <laughs> and yeah. I said, well, we do other things, you know. We go out and go for a walk. We go to the park and play in the swings or, you know, do all these other things. And I would, you know, I rather did all that than be sitting in front of TV because when I was a kid, TV was our babysitter. You know, we were plowed in front of it and don't move. <laughs> don't talk, don't move. Yeah. Just sit there and watch TV, yeah. you know. And I didn't want that for my my daughter and then my son when he came along. I didn't either. Even when I do, you know, when I'm watching my baby, my grandbabies or anything, I um, mm-hmm. I don't turn on the TV throughout the day. Unless yeah. It's, you know, I just stand it anymore. <laughs> unless it's really yeah. getting bad. But, you know, they almost don't even want to, but so it almost goes to say with the, with the other electronics yeah. as well, because, I mean, they would almost, all of my grandkids have their own iPads. All of them, right? Even the three-year-old grandchildren, and um, yeah. and so they would rather just watch something on YouTube, you know. Yeah. They can. Yeah. That they like. Well, that's what my grandchild did. You know, we had like this. You know, it was a constant struggle. You know, hey, you know, can you just stop there for a minute so I can talk to you, or we could? I thought you were coming over, big brownie with grandma, or you're on that thing the whole time, or whatever. You know, it was this constant struggle. I know, Grandma, I just got to do this, or I just got to do that, you know. And uh, so then one time I just said, how about if um, we do something you want to do for a certain amount of time, and then you could just be on, you know, your phone and do whatever you're doing, or, you know, watch something on uh, YouTube. I got it on my TV now and never before. And and then we'll, you know, plan or whatever. And, you know, so we're not in this kind of struggle. So, you know, we work things out instead of just, you know, letting things go as they were. It's like I said, constant struggle. And when my kids are little, or my daughter, I start going to parenting classes. My grandma says, 
what are you going to parenting classes for? I said, because I want to be a better parent. And he said, well, I'll have everyone in parenting classes, and you turned out just fine. I'm like, yeah, fine, in a psych ward like every three months. Yeah. So I made a new acronym for fine, F up in the chair neurotic and emotional. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. <You're> not fine. <laughs> right. But I learned a lot, you know. Now I'm open to learning, trying new things. Right. Healthier. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I think I've been yeah. shut off the last few years just mm-hmm. yeah, trying to figure out my life. I, I know that. Well, I was just thinking the other day, there's some friends, you know, that I was really close to years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why aren't I close to So, um, but I think that, especially as someone who promised that, um, oh, there's people on the line here, that um, that's something that a lot of people probably struggle with. So, yeah. If somebody has something to say, can we bring them on and see who they are? Sure. Absolutely. Hello. Hello. Hi, you're on. How are you doing? Yeah, hey. Sorry, I um, how are you? I'm pretty good. I um. One of the things I wanted to say is, I may have talked about this before, but I don't remember. I've called into the show before. But um, uh-huh. a lot of people are giving up. A lot of people are giving up on our youth. And, you know, because a lot of kids are bad nowadays, a lot of people will use. And and I'm saying this carefully because, like, a lot of people will use how bad kids are nowadays to justify child abuse and things like that. And mm-hmm. just because they're bad nowadays, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean child abuse or anything like that is acceptable. Right. Right. Because there was a guy that was on YouTube that was saying it. I don't mind people saying kids are bad nowadays and stuff, but it depends mm-hmm. on how you say it. If you're saying it to justify whatever happens to them, it's really bad. And the worst thing is when I talk to some people about it, they they get they get it wrong. They they don't really understand what I'm talking about. They talk mm-hmm. about something completely different. It's like you can't have a conversation about it either. Lots of times because right. people will. I don't know if they're purposely getting it wrong or if they're not understanding what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my, my opinion is that my son had a lot of difficulties. And my opinion is it's a parent's responsibility to find out what's going on with the child. That, yeah. you know, and I have people that don't have children that say, oh, the kids, you know, these days, blah, blah, blah. I say, you know, I'm really concerned about the kids these days. Why don't you get involved in the community and do something that the kids can get involved with, you know? Yeah. And they sure don't like that answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Need to get involved. <laughs> and it's just, it's just being used to, ju- to just generalize and justify whatever happens to them. And that's when I have a problem when people say that. Because even like, you know, and people don't even know the situation. Some of them don't even know the situation, and they'll use that to justify whatever it happened. It's like yep. you're generalizing a whole group of young people, and you're saying that because they're bad nowadays, it's okay to be human, inhumane to them. Right. That's, that's right. basically what it that says. Right. Yeah. And it's never okay. Abuse is never okay. 
Right. Yeah. There was a YouTuber that was saying that stuff. He was saying, well, look at how bad kids are nowadays. That, that, and he was using that to justify the child abuse of the um, judge's daughter. And I got really oh, mad with him. Good. Well, that's the thing that we talk about in NASCA, that all adults are responsible to keep all children safe. And if we see something, we have to say something. So you spoke up. In my opinion, when I hear somebody say, well, you know, I just thank my kid because blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, you really aren't being very creative. <laughs> you know, think outside the box. There's other things you can do that that isn't violence, you know, that isn't abuse. And as far as I'm concerned, spanking the kid is abuse. And uh, I didn't spank my kids. Um, if, there was a, if there was a problem or a behavior, I dealt with it. And what I felt was a healthy way, you know, consequences. Um, or, you know, talking it out and finding out why is my son having a hard time at school? Why is my son um, doing this or that, you know? And to sit down and talk to the children, and that's the other thing is just, you know, to say, I can't do nothing with this kid. That's not true. It's yeah. not true. And parents need to start looking at what, how they're parenting the kids and what they're being exposed to, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, start taking more responsibility. It's not the children's fault. You know, the children are going through a lot. Of, can you imagine not being able yeah. to be social for all this time during COVID? Not being yeah. in school. You know, nobody's talking to them about, you know, they're scared. You know, here's this disease they might die from or a family member has died from or people have been really yeah. sick that they know. And, and nobody's discussing it with the kids, you know, they're just, and for me, when I heard of COVID and everybody's going to be isolated, I didn't think, oh, boy, I can't go shopping. I thought, can you imagine all the kids that are already being abused, and now they are locked in the house with these abusers who are already, you know, abusing them, and now probably are getting even more upset with them and conditioning them more to not tell anybody. You know, they've got all this time, and it just broke my heart. Yeah, and see, to me, when people when people say kids are bad nowadays, that way, that's why we to justify abusing them. They make people that are actually concerned and actually say that within within good reason. They make them look bad because, you know, like I said, it's used to generalize and do whatever. It's used to generalize yeah. and it's used to say whatever happens to them is okay. Whatever we do to them is okay, even if it's wrong. Breaks my heart. And, and like I said, I don't talk to many people about it. I, I'm talking to you and you're understanding, but when I talk to other people about it, they go on a, to a different tangent. And like I said, right. I don't know if it's them just – it's very frustrating when I talk about this situation, and it's a serious situation, and they bring up something completely different. Mm-hmm. Not too, and but that's the why I think I've we have these discussions, you know, because a lot of us are coming from the same place. Or we can listen to somebody else's opinion – and we can discuss it um, um, like adults. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I'm – and what was your name? It's Khalil. Oh, nice to meet you. I'm Victoria. And, nice uh, to meet you. Kim is on too. Uh-huh. I'm the Minnesota uh, ambassador for NASCA. And uh, can, um, sorry. we're talking about – we also have, like, a peer support group on uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays that um, I like to invite people on. And I don't know if you know, but we have the Blog Tech Radio Show five nights a week. 
and they're all archived. What number are we on? Real fast before I go? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Were there more police officers in the community, like around like schools and around kids' baseball games and stuff back in the 60s and 70s than there are now? I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, The police weren't really that involved. Um, I was uh, sexually abused uh, by a neighbor, and uh, um, the cop came to my door and asked if this man had uh, touched me in a bad way, and I said yes, and I ended up having to go to court over it. And the guy, the only thing that happened to the guy, and he had raped a three- and four-year-old girl and sexually abused just about every kid in the neighborhood, and all he was, all that was done was he was court-ordered to not have kids in his yard. And I mean, things just want, things were not done. The laws were not yeah. anywhere like they are. And I mean, I went into my daughter's school and uh, for a conference and we had to go through a metal detector. And I told my husband, I said, are we in a jail or a school? <laughs> Cause I, I didn't know they had to go through a metal detector to get into school. But my daughter's 40 now <laughs> since she was in high school. Yeah. So police were not as sympathetic to child abuse like they were, like they are now. No. no. The child the abuse, they, they just was like that's, you know, just like the neighbors. They'd be like, well, you know, that's that's that family, or you know, um, the, um, pretty much throwaway children is the way I call it. Um, oh. That's what children that were abused, as far as I'm concerned, were just throwaway children. Never should be a throwaway thing. Was this more in the in like places where there's child labor in the South or everywhere in the U.S.? Nope. Everywhere in the U.S. Okay. Everywhere. Because I look yeah. at shows like Cops and how how we've um, evolved with like dealing with like different races, different age groups, and different genders. Mm-hmm. And I look at yeah. how you know if we if we had if we still had child abuse legal, we had like racism or sexism or ableism. Yeah. Shows like cops probably wouldn't be coming on Fox. Yeah. You ever thought about that, you know, in, in a good way? I'm not yeah. criticizing, but have you ever thought about that? Mm-hmm. If we didn't have all this this um, revolutionary stuff, shows like cops right. and PD wouldn't be on. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I watch that line for you, too, you know, and they really bring out a lot of good points. Because um, those yeah. shows don't always end happily ever after, you know. There's a lot of them yeah. that, you know, and it's like, but this is reality. You know, they don't all end happily ever after. They don't right. all end with the victim, you know, or the child um, being protected. You know, yeah. there's a lot of children that tell, and they're put right back in the homes and get more yeah. abused because they're old, you know. And I used to work, I used to volunteer with this one. There was an art group for sure survivors of incest and uh anyway we made up these things and they wanted to get go and give them to the kids at school and it said it's okay to tell and i said i'm not handing these out because it's still not okay to tell you know like oh no we need to hand these to kids you know and i said i'm not putting that out there you know because kids tell a lot of times and they're still not protected it breaks my heart you know, I yeah. want kids to tell. I want adults to talk about it. And, you know, we need to be discussing this issue. And April Child Abuse Awareness and Prevention Month. But like I say, every day of the year needs to be 
you know, Child Abuse Awareness and Prevention Month. Yeah. And and we're we're doing that with NASCA. We're you know we're continuing. We just Kim and I were talking about that earlier about how you know for me it's my mission. You know, it took me a lot of time. I was in silence and shame, and uh, I'm not doing that now. That's you know that that's why I'm the Minnesota ambassador. And we have like 40 programs on the NASCA website that people yeah. can go on there and find. Matter of fact, I tell and parents I'll... go on there because we got videos on how to talk to your kids about, you know, um, body safety. And there was never nothing like that before. Because I, I found out that nowadays, like, when you have like a bunch of either young people or a bunch of poor people, wherever, uh-huh. wherever, wherever you have a bunch of young people or people that are homeless, you have a lot of a large police presence. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I don't yeah. know if that was just to, to target them or if it was just to protect the vulnerable mm-hmm. when they had the large police presence in those, like, beaches and malls mm-hmm. and pedestrian malls, if that was just to target both the youth and yeah. the poor, if it was to protect both the youth and the poor. Well, it's, it's I guess it's up to the individual, the, you know, individual law enforcement person because, you know, whether their opinions – you know, their opinions have a lot to do with it. And, uh, yeah. you know, um, where they're coming from has a lot to do with it. Like, you know, everybody had this impression that, you know, um, poor people, they're the ones that abuse their kids or whatever. Well, my biological father was very, very high in the church and the community and had a fantastic job and lived in a beautiful neighborhood and everything else and did the most horrible things to me, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people get on and talk about, you know, people go by the houses and they'd all look beautiful and everything. And nobody knew what was going on behind those doors. And we still don't. Right. Yeah, I just was asking, I just asking that mm-hmm. question because um, even in like Panama City Beach, Florida, you had a large uh-huh. police presence and you had a lot of teenagers. But places where you, where you didn't have a lot of youth, you didn't have the large police presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering. If it was I, a, I think a they're targeting. For me, I personally think they target. Yeah, I think they target areas. It's the same thing with African Americans and poor people. Mhm. Yep. Like yep. You you have a large police presence where there's a certain demographic, which you know you it's hard to tell. Like with you, I believe I believe what you're saying, but some yeah. places it's hard to tell. If right. they're trying to do outreach or if they're just targeting the groups, mm-hmm. because um, police departments now, if they um, they are uh, a lot of times in schools and in beaches and stuff like that, youth are not as much of afraid to tell the police about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like police officers, when they go to places where there's young people, they try to reach out nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't try to. Well, there's more they don't education. To, huh. I said more education for the police about yeah. child abuse, and there's more pressure on the police to follow through and do their jobs. <laughs> yeah, and that's might be why why you, at the time you didn't have women as police officers. I don't know right. if that's true or not. It is. Yeah, women were not police officers. No. Is that because of the? Child fact, I remember when I was in school, and it was the. Um, Boys are going to grow up to be policemen or doctors, and women are going to grow up to be nurses and mommies. <laughs> you know, it's serious. Let me book. 
that you said that, that that was the part of the reason that they didn't have women as police officers because of um, them sympathizing with, like, people sympathizing with children that were abused? Or is it like I, it was like a whole... I just don't think they thought women could do the job that men could do. Okay. Yeah. You know, before it's the law. <laughs> Yeah. Just like they didn't want women to vote, you know, because, like, yeah. what kind of opinions do they have? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you opened up my eyes to how much it was going on because, like, unlike segregation, which was in the South, child abuse was rampant mm-hmm. everywhere in the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. Well, segregation was. So, I mean, you know, and there's still racism, internalized racism that we don't even realize, you know. Yeah. Because we're just, that's the way a lot of us are raised, you know? Well, because when I see, like, Mm -hmm. because when I see an African-American or I see a young person or a woman talking to a police officer, I see them both respecting each other. It gives me a good idea that it's not Mm -hmm. just about differences. It's about people. Yeah. Because, like, when people, like, I was talking to this guy that was saying, you know, you're a man, I give you, you give them respect, they give you respect. And I said, it has nothing to do with my age. It has to do with me being mm-hmm. a person. That's right. I said, if, you, if you're going to bring up my age, all you, huh? I just a human being. Yeah, if I, I yeah. said, if you're going to bring up my uh, age, you might influence someone the wrong way. Because I get mm-hmm. kind of nasty with people who, who end up saying that. I'm like, and I question their, their manhood. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you don't have to. Unless they're talking about your rights or unless they're talking about something else, you don't have to bring up yeah. the fact that you're a man. It's like it pisses me mm-hmm. off when people do that. Yeah, or race, you know. Yeah. Because that, that type of stuff will that type of stuff will keep a cycle going. You know, mm-hmm. if we keep on using our age just to get mutual respect and that's just not to me people who say that really are Unless I really know them and I know where they're coming from, I don't really want mm-hmm. them around me if they're going to make statements like that. Mm-hmm. I don't no, mean I've had to get a lot of out of my life. Yeah. Well, I appreciate talking with you. Yeah, and call in any time. We're on five nights a week, same same time, and uh, all shows are archived too. If you ever want to go back and listen to any of the shows, um, Kim, what show are we on tonight? Yeah, three one nine seven. So that means there's three thousand over three thousand shows that we have archived. Thank you. Thank you for coming and thanks for being part of the panel. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. You're welcome to stay on. I'm okay. Okay. Thanks for calling. <laughs> Thank you for letting me speak. Absolutely. Yeah, have a good evening. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and our, our other color dropped too. So yeah, yeah. It's always you... good to have fresh people on, fresh ideas, um, fresh ways to look at things, um, and just different discussions than you know, kind of outside the box. <laughs> yeah, might just be a little different. I um, I wonder if you called into another show that I was on. Because I, I just remember oh. what kind of made me think that is mm-hmm. him talking about, um, mm-hmm. you know, how he doesn't like people 
dollar. Uh huh. I, I'm just losing my mind right now. <laughs> I just lost my whole sentence well, that I was going to say. Do you ever do that? Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, oh, all the time. All the time. And, uh, but I was going to say that, you know, a lot of people um, get on that, you know, social media and stuff. And, um, you know, I'll get, I used to get a lot of negative remarks, especially when I was writing about child abuse, you know. Can't believe you're putting on that on this page, and we're putting this on all the time. Why are you always talking about your childhood and child abuse and this and that, you know? And, and I was like answering them back and talking to friends, and is this wrong? And da 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 da, you know. But hey, I just scroll by them or I block them, you know. It's like I just don't have time to argue over it because I'm doing too much good, you know. Um, right. If they don't know what I'm doing, then. Uh, you know, um, go text them that believes your, your stuff, you know. And I wrote on there one time, if you don't like me talking about child abuse, go back to taking pictures of your dinner. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't make any negative comments. You know, this is the stuff I believe in. And please unfriend me so that I don't have to waste the time in front of you and I got more room for people that, you know, are concerned about these issues. <laughs> Right, right. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, if I don't like something, I scroll by it. You know, I don't have time to go on there and try to convince somebody of something that, you know, they're dead set on not being convinced about. <laughs> like it was saying, right, you know, they exactly. keep on rationalizing you know, why they're doing something that you don't believe in, you know. So, you know, in a lot of ways, social media... Social media is really good, and, you know, like just with anything that comes along, the good is going to come with the bad, you know, and we just have to make decisions, you know, and we have choices. We don't have choices maybe when we're kids, but we have choices as adults, and we just have to remind ourselves of that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I am. Well, thank you. It was nice to be on with you tonight. I guess we could. Yeah, definitely. That was a little early. Mm -hmm. Unless you want to bring up another topic that we could talk about or something. Yeah, well, um, I did want to to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. I wanted to let people know that... um, First of all, I have a service animal because um, I have uh, complex PTSD. But if you have PTSD, um, a lot of people that have PTSD, uh, just write a letter for them to get a emotional support animal, which is great. But you can also get a service animal. And uh, you can look up the Americans with Disability Act. And you can um, put in a question in there, what's the difference between a service animal and emotional support animal? Now, a service animal for people with PTSD does not need to be trained, um, does not need to wear a vest. The only thing you need is a letter from a psychiatrist saying you need it. Okay, the people that are going online and on TV, they say, you know, write, uh, call in here and you can get your dog to be a service animal. Send us this much money, and we'll send you out an ID and a psychiatrist letter and this and that. Okay, well, here's the thing. 
that's illegal. That psychiatrist does not know you. And if you get caught with papers and and uh, those IDs and stuff, you can be charged. Um, okay. So, and what really makes me angry is these people already know that because even Americans with disabilities say we do not back that. Any ID that is not, you know, um, any letter that's not from your psychiatrist. And we do not back that. So they will not defend you um, at all. Um, and it really makes me angry that um, not only are these false documents, but um, they're taking advantage of people with disabilities. I had one woman I talked to who said she saved all this money so she could send to them and get this, these IDs and um, uh, that tag that says her dog is a service animal and this and that. Um, and, and I told her it wasn't legal. And she said, well, they can't hold me responsible because, you know, they're acting like it is. And I said, well, you know that ignorance is no, no defense or not knowing the law. You know, but they're taking advantage of people that have disabilities. And, and that's what really upsets me, you know, because people do have a right to have a service animal if they have PTSD. And uh, you can look at all your rights on the Americans with Disability website. And I'm pretty sure it's ADA.gov. And if you go to your psychiatrist and they want to give you an emotional support animal, um, what I did is I brought in all the, I photocopied all the, or whatever you printed it out off the internet and brought in psychiatrist and said, no, I want a service animal because I had already had one in the past, you know. And, and so um, I had a really hard time with living in a system facility. They were harassing me all the time, threatened if I didn't get rid of my dog. We didn't call it a service animal. If I didn't get murdered, my dog, they were throwing me out and were screaming at me all the time, coming to my apartment, threatening me. I had to get a disability law attorney to fight for me to even keep him. And uh, you have more rights with a service animal. Um, you can bring him on an airplane. Um, you can yeah, uh, get free hotel. Yeah, they don't can't charge you a Pepsi at the hotel. Um, you can get free city license. There's just a lot of advantages over an emotional support animal. Not that an emotional support animal isn't good, and you also have a lot of rights with an emotional support animal. And a lot of people don't know they can have them in assisted living facilities. As long as you're able to take the dog out, you're physically capable of taking the dog out. The dog's trained to not, you know, have accidents, and um, the dog. Uh, you know, doesn't, isn't uh, harmed other people, doesn't burn other, you know, other dogs and stuff. So you do have to train them a little bit. <laughs> if you take them in a restaurant, they got to sit under the chair. And I had a friend, even was in a wheelchair in a service dog, and uh, got kicked out of three restaurants. And uh, he, he did a court case against them. And uh, one is your right. And uh, so I think, you know, just, just for a lot of us to know that, um, and I think I was talking earlier about, you know, just feeling like you can stand up for yourself, you know, and if you don't feel like you can on your own, um, call different agencies, uh, look up the laws, you know, 
advocate for yourself because most of the time other people are not going to advocate for you. You have to, you know, you can get some support from people, but, you know, I used to think somebody was going to come along and rescue me. <laughs> and I pretty much had to rescue myself. Where's that Prince Charming? <laughs> huh? Yeah. Yeah, the Prince Charmings I had were uh, turned into the... <laughs> Turned into the monsters. <laughs> they never got out yeah. of the frog phase. <laughs> yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. No, they were Prince Charming. They turned into the frogs. <laughs> they turned into the frogs. <laughs> they went backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise! I'm a frog. <laughs> well, yeah. Or the bees. Uh, it is so funny you know. because one of the one of the gals that I listened to um, about emotionally spiritually and emotionally abusive relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. She says, she uses this analogy a lot. She's like, well, you went and you picked out a duck and you wanted it to be a cat and you brought it home and you were just sure that you could make it into a cat (laughs) Mm -hmm. because that's really what you wanted. But it's still a duck. It's still going to quack like a duck. It's still going to be, you know, it's still not going to be yeah. a cat, even though that's what you wanted. Yeah. Uh, I, I just yeah. love that. When she goes yeah. into that, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's true, you us. know. But, you know, like now people um, a lot of times will say, God, I can't believe, you know, this happened and that happened, and I still believed him or whatever, or her or whatever, you know. And uh, anyways, uh, you know, I tell people about regrets, you know. You only made decisions with the information you had at the time. You made the best decision you could with the information you had at the time. But that's how I am. And the reason why I don't feel I have regrets is because I was not only given the wrong information, but I was outright lied to. <laughs> and that's yeah. the point I was functioning from, you know. And how do you make, you know, like I had a worker that came over and I used to tell people, oh, I'm just a horrible cook. I can't cook. And they just say, oh, well, I'm a really good cook and I make this and that. Or just, oh, okay, you know, mm-hmm. and talk about something else. Well, I was talking to one of my friends at the time and I told her that. And she says, um, how do you expect yourself to know how to do something? Oh, first she asked me if anybody ever taught me to cook. I said, no, my grandma would chew me out of the kitchen and say, get out of here or you're in my way. And she said, well, how do you expect to know how to do something when nobody ever taught you? And then instead of saying, I'll teach you, she said, would you like to learn? Which yeah. is very respectful, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. And then she's like, well, what would you like to make? You know. And it was like, I don't know, you know. So we just started <laughs> talking about different foods I like, you know. Yeah. And, and that's how I started cooking. I mean, if you yeah, don't, if you want to learn how to do something, you know, there's, you know, before it was go to the library and get a book, and now it's, you know, Google it or it's on YouTube or whatever, yeah. you know. There's so many more options yeah, now. You know, I was telling my former husband, too, I says, yeah, I says, you know, when my kids ask me questions, I wouldn't just make up stuff like my grandparents did, you know, or tell they yeah. ask me a question. You know, I tell my kids, let's go to the library, and we pull in. In a week ago, now it's like just Google it in three minutes at the most, you've got your answer. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And we just have to make a day thing out of it, you know. <laughs> just trying to figure it out, yeah. They call a different yeah. people, whoever, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's so funny, isn't it? Yeah, how did we get yeah. along in life back then? Yeah. Yeah, there's so many things you can just Google these days. Mm-hmm. Find everything, anything. Yeah, and, and I probably do it at least two or three times. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe these kids are on their phone all the time. The law. I said, listen, when you were a kid, if you had the technology these kids had, don't tell me that you wouldn't be on them if you had the opportunity. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, you know, don't play like you wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, like that. You know, it's you become know. a lot of a babysitter for a lot of kids too. Yeah, there's a lot of you, you know, know good things. There's a good time for that too, but it's not mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. It's not constant. I'm having a hard time hearing you. Oh, did I lose you? It sounds like you're in a tunnel. I can't hear it all. There. Can you hear me now? Yep, I can hear you now. <laughs> okay. I don't, I just lost it somehow. I don't know what I did. <laughs> I think I touched my earpiece. And, you know, uh, it'll, like, they're on hold or something when you accidentally oh, touch yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I hit the mute button every once in a while. You know, <laughs> people go, yeah. I can't hear you. Start talking. Hear you. And, and automatically, think, oh. Check the mood button, you know. Yeah. But I got to tell you a funny story about technology. Um, my boyfriend and I, a while back when I was dating this guy, um, we were going down to Texas, Corpus Christi. So my daughter says, I'm getting your phone, Mom. You know, it's a smartphone. I'm like, okay. So she puts all my numbers in this address book. And I'm like, okay. So I got this. She goes, are you ready to go? And I go, yep. I got my phone here. And I got my phone numbers here. And I got a piece of paper, right? He's like, Mother, I just put them all in your address book. I said, I don't know how to get to that. Just leave me alone. <laughs> barely down the thing, you know. So I go down there, come back. I go, oh, man, kept getting lost. And, and she's like, God, Mother, why don't you use your GPS? I go, GPS, what? <laughs> it's like yeah. her GPS is out of get places. So she spends, I don't know how long, teaching me how to use this thing. So I told her I was going to the store the next day. She goes, Mom, you know how to get there? Never mind. You know, I like always got lost. She's like, never mind, Mom. How are you going to get to the store? And I go, well, I'm going to use my GPA. She's like, oh, God, Mother, don't use your great point of difference. <laughs> never get there. Please use your GPS. <laughs> <laughs> I kept calling it GPA, and the kids like, <laughs> And I go, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> That G thing. <laughs> yeah. The that thing. <laughs> that talk. You know. And then they got me a smart TV and I figure out how to get the channels, just switch the channels, how to turn them. They go, quit getting me all this smart stuff. It's making me feel really stupid. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> you know? Oh, buddy. <laughs> I mean, we, we had to Google how you set up a VCR. <laughs> how do you use it? <laughs> <laughs> well, kids these days wouldn't even know what a VCR is. No, no. And then you'd have to rewind it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Not a VCR. No, a DVD player, I mean. 
I'm confused. ADD, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always <laughs> use the wrong words. Yeah. And so my grandchild came over and says to me, Grandma, that's a really big uh, uh, CD. And I go, no, no, it's not a CD. It's a record. Well, what is it? And I go, it plays music. I know it's a CD. <laughs> no, it's a record. So I said, yeah. And then I watched this one YouTube video, and this, this grandma was had this, you know, rotary dial phone and plugged in the wall, and her grandkid was our teenager, granddaughter, and says, um, I need you to dial this number right now. Um, I got to talk to this person. Uh, can you dial it for me? I don't have my glasses on. So this girl is trying to push her fingers in the circles for the numbers. Just push yeah. it. You know. And she's going, yeah. and she goes, nobody's here. I don't know. Your phone's not working. And we'll try it again. And just it went on and on. And I could not. And I can't believe the grandma was just sitting there with that straight face. You know. <laughs> it was so funny. She knew exactly what she was doing. You know. Uh, and this is just freaking out. I don't know, Grandma, I'm trying. <laughs> Something's wrong with your phone. <laughs> I met you up until about maybe within the last 10 years, about 10 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. It seems like it wasn't that long ago, but I'll bet it was. Um, I have yeah. a rotary phone, and I could plug it in, and it would still get a dial tone. But if you would try oh, and yeah. dial something, it wouldn't do anything. It, it just didn't yeah. really know what to do. <laughs> At that point, right. it was like, I can give you a dial yeah. tone, but that's all I got for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, my daughter was little. I had a plug-in. Yeah, I had a plug-in phone, you know, plugged into the wall. And uh, one day I said, you're grounded. She wanted to stay home from school. And I said, well, then you're grounded from the phone. You can't grab me from the phone. And I said, watch. And I unplugged it out of the wall and took it with me. <laughs> she goes, what? There's an emergency. And I go, we got neighbors. <laughs> no, so, run to the neighbors. Neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now, I mean, people call me and they'll say, oh, my God, I've been trying to call you. You know, um, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, and I'm like, nothing's wrong. I don't take my phone everywhere. You don't? I had to go to the bathroom. You take it to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. You don't take it to the bathroom. <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> yeah. I just can't believe that I don't, you know, because it makes me think like, you know, when I was a teenager and I just sit by the phone waiting for my boyfriend to call, you know, or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not just going to sit there and wait for phone calls, you know? Yeah. I can see if if I missed a call, call you back. You know, people text me right. or message me, and I'm like, I can't believe you didn't message me back. I'm like, it's 20 minutes later, and I messaged you. You know, I called you. If you want to really get a hold of me, just call me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if I miss your call, I'll call you back. No, yeah, they, I even lost a friendship because this woman thought I should sit on Facebook and wait till she messaged me and respond right away, you know? And because I didn't, she got mad and started screaming at me. Oh, gosh. You never reply. Like, I do reply, but not the second you message me. Well, I could see you on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, I'm doing something else on Facebook. I wasn't sitting there waiting for your message to come in. Yeah. You know, she got all mad. 
I mean, sometimes I don't go on Facebook for a whole week, you know. And if people are, like I said, if people are going to get mad at me for that, you know, they obviously don't know me very well to begin with. <laughs> yeah, I used to do a lot on there, and I, I just don't yeah. anymore. I yeah. mean, yeah. It's just not, but I do need to. I do yeah. usually get some kind of response when I post my glasses that I'm doing or something. Usually I'll get something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but people are still on there. Other people are still on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when I got a lot going on, I don't go on there. And then when, you know, I don't have a lot going on, I'm on there and commenting on people's stuff. And, you know, so that I wanted to tell people, too, that we have a NASCA group on Facebook. And it's a closed group for survivors of child abuse, adult survivors, I want to say. And then we also have an open group for other people that are interested in the issues that NASCA deals with, like the mission statement stuff that, that you read in the beginning. And uh, it's uh, um, that's open to everyone. And we just need to keep these conversations going um, because there's so many people that they'll watch the news and go, oh, this is horrible about this or that. And that's as far as it goes, you know. Um, we need people to get more involved um, in in these issues. Like I said, one month is not enough. We need to be talking about this every day um, because there's children being abused every day. Yeah, it's, it hasn't gone away. As a matter of fact, no. it's probably gotten worse during the you know uh-huh. with the pandemic and everything. And, yeah. Um, well, child abuse and domestic violence statistics went sky high through the roof, and we're not even talking about the people that didn't make it during it. We're not talking about the people yeah. that were really put in silence through it. Um, yeah, so, you know, statistics are one thing, and they they rose like crazy. You know, they closed they closed the bars, but they left the liquor store open, so... The people that were drinking and had a problem with it and were violent, you know, and used that as an excuse, um, were all of a sudden in the homes where they were being violent with alcohol, and the victims were trapped there, you know. Like when I was growing up, I was told, don't talk to strangers, you know. Well, the family was the one that was hurting me, and who's the stranger but the police officer and the teacher? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The people that should help you, yeah, or are there to help you anyway. The people that could have helped me, yeah. Well, I don't know, could have done much back then, but, you know, I think about that today. And we had the woman from um, Minnesota, um, the Minnesota um, uh, runaway or... Um, the one for child abuse. But anyway, she came on and they have a program out here. And one of the things that they do is they teach parents to tell their kids to have three safe people and ask the kid, what's three safe people that if something's happening to you, you could go to. And, you know, maybe they'll say the teacher, aunt Mary, and, you know, maybe the neighbor, you know, and uh, that that can change all the time. And to really listen to your kids, like, you know, they don't want to go over to their uncle's house or their grandma's house or something um, to, you know, really investigate why that is. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, we never used to do that. Oh, you're going over there, you know. Right. Just like you're going to go give your aunt or uncle a hug or, you know, a kiss goodbye oh, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> I had to always give my, my godfather a kiss goodbye, and he would French kiss me and slip me a silver dollar. Uh, yeah. Oh, and I can still, you know, remember how horrible that was, and I didn't feel like I could tell anybody. Because, like you said, they're like, go go kiss him goodbye, you know. Yeah. And, you know, you don't know. When you're a kid, you just don't know. And so that's why I say there's some, you know, there's a video on uh, um, the NASCA website, which, you know, I talk a lot of times and I have a lot of, because I, I go to AA and Allen on and stuff, and people know my story, um, some bits of it. And so they'll come up to me and say, well, I got a child or a grandchild, and I just don't know how to talk to them about this, you know, protect them, whatever. And I tell them, go on NASCA, and there's a place um, on how to protect your children, and there's a little video on there. So I tell them, go on there first, watch the video, you know, and then sit down with your child or grandchild or whoever child you're, you know, with, and... uh, Tell them before you start it that if they have a question, raise your hand during the video and you'll stop it. And uh, I said, because a lot of times by the end of the video, the kids will forget the questions. And uh, yeah. so I told a lot of parents that and they'd come back to me and said how grateful they were because it's just, you know, an amazing thing to open up that conversation. Because a lot of parents, you know, a lot of parents weren't talking to kids, you know, as they were kids. So they really don't know what, right. you know, to do. They don't know and how. we were told strange or danger, and we got these little pamphlets, and there was some creepy right. guy coming out of the woods. It wasn't your mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the stranger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never saw that creepy guy out coming out of the bushes, ever. <laughs> it was, you know, it's people I knew. <laughs> right. And, you know, not to minimize that, because it does happen, but, um, oh, yeah. but yeah, yeah, the majority of the yeah. time, it is mm-hmm. not, 90%. But I think it's like 85% is family members or close family members, and the next group is um, um, caretakers, and 3% is strangers. So all that stranger danger stuff that was drilled into our heads, as far as I'm concerned, was useless. <laughs> You know, well, but, but yeah. people would rather think strange to do that than, you know, Aunt Kelly or Uncle Joe or Mom or Dad, you know. Because it's too hard for people to comprehend. I've had people say to me, how could your dad do something like that? And I'm like, you know what? I haven't a clue. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I didn't do it. It wasn't my decision. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, my mind doesn't it. think like that. Yeah, my mind don't think like that. That's why I have no no idea. (laughs) What he was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. How can you? Well, I think we only got a couple minutes left for the show here. Yeah, we're down. So. Yeah. Take it up the time and Mm -hmm. tell it us some good information. (laughs) Yeah. Good conversation. Yeah. And then uh, I just want to quick say the prayer that we say, this Zoom prayer that we say at the end of our meetings. Um, Please grant me serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly. The courage to forgive myself because I always try my best. And the wisdom to know that I am a person with a kind heart. 
that's a serenity. I like finishing with that. Well, it's been a good conversation. And good talking to you. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. It was nice having being on with you tonight. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for our, our, our guest caller that called in, too. And that yeah. That was always nice. We always like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. And we as we always say, them. yeah, it is neat to have new people. Um, but, and as we say on NASCA, that there's enough eyes and ears out there in the world. To watch out for all, all our adult eyes and ears out there that can watch out for all children. So um, it's our responsibility as adults. And if you see something, please say something. And good night, everyone. Have a good evening. Bye, Victoria. Bye. Another tomorrow. Cause that's gone.